their paths crossed like two hot wires. We are just about the friendliest folks you would ever want to meet. That's Bonnie. I'm sorry, I was looking for Maud. Everyone has the right to make an ass out of themselves. You can't let the world judge you too much. That woman, she took my car. This is Bonnie and Maud, the film podcast, with Xenia Yarosh and Eleanor Kagan. We've never done a sexy intro before. A sexy intro? Uh-huh. Hi, you're listening to Bonnie and Maud. I'm Xenia Yarosh. And I'm Eleanor Kagan. And we're here to talk about movies. We're here to talk about movies from a femme-centric perspective. And today we're going to talk about Gravity, Barbarella, and Alien. Yeah, today's theme is all about women in space. Um, we were inspired by seeing Gravity a few weeks ago in theaters in 3d i didn't see it in 3d but sure i saw it in 3d and imax wow which means that i had a headache afterwards Mm -hmm. um but anyway we got to talking about women in space as a trope in film specifically Uh, surviving space yes sort of a woman being out on her own in the final frontier and so we decided to talk about as we said gravity barbarella and Alien, the first one, not Aliens, even though there are obviously a lot of woman-related themes in that movie. Sure. But we just did an episode about motherhood with Rosemary's Baby, so we are going to save Aliens for a future discussion. A very special Mother's Day episode. (laughs) And there will be a lot to discuss. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that the original Alien is not rife with its own Freudian and feminine masculine issues. There is an all-knowing computer named Mother. Oh, and that's our guest for today. Matt Carmen. welcome to Bonnie and Maude. Hi, thanks. Thanks for stopping by. See you later. In the... In the interest of full disclosure, uh, Matt and Ksenia are betrothed. Wait, does that mean engaged or married? I think it means married. I think it means we own a throne. (laughs) (laughs) We are bethroned and betrothed. Matt and Ksenia own a throne together, which is a really big commitment. It was like uh, $10,000 on the HBO website. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) That's a weird one. What a Game of Thrones, you guys. (laughs) Nerd alert. Um, Anyway, so Matt is joining us for our discussion of women in space today. Matt's background is that he is the co-editor of I Love Bad Movies. Co-organizer of the Brooklyn Zine Fest. Mm -hmm. And you wrote about Barbarella in I Love Bad Movies 3, is that right? Yeah, that was our Visions of the Future uh, issue. Mm -hmm. A lot of space and robots and computers. And uh, I wrote about Barbarella for that. So you're an expert. Well, that's the extent of my credentials. I have never been either into space nor a woman, so I'm kind of coming at this from a limited viewpoint. Well, as uh, two women existing in space and time, I think Ksenia and I were really excited to talk about uh, this topic. Women as astronauts and women in space movies are part of a larger idea of women as action stars in general, which there aren't a whole lot of. So seeing a woman as a protagonist in a space movie is already exciting because here we have somebody who is hopefully complicated, put in a complicated situation and trying to get herself out of it. Mm -hmm. Using basically only herself as the person she can depend on. Um, Should we give just a quick heads up that there will be spoilers in in this? Um, Gravity is relatively new. So in case you don't know, the plot that can be summarized in several sentences maybe (laughs) maybe listen to this episode a little later yes definitely if you haven't seen barbarella you're probably okay some time (laughs) uh if you haven't seen alien then shame on you (laughs) i guess since it's the most recent we could start with gravity Mm -hmm. um gravity as uh you may know is the new alfonso cuaron movie same director as children of men the third and arguably best harry potter and a little princess the movie that made me cry so hard in theaters that i had to be removed um story by security (laughs) by my mother (laughs) um but yes alfonso cuaron directed this movie um it is vast and it is beautiful Uh, it stars sandra bullock and george clooney as two astronauts up in space trying to complete a pretty easy mission it seems when suddenly they are bombarded by space debris and that kind of throws off everything it should be noted that the space debris is from a russian not spacecraft but 
Some kind of satellite. Um, yeah, because we have to blame it on the Russians always. It's a pretty cold war mentality. Especially when it comes to space. Not only is it Russian space debris, it comes from, I believe, the Russians blowing up their own oh, satellite of course, by accident. Because they are so careless and they hate Americans. So you can just really vividly picture this bumbling Boris and Natasha pressing the wrong button back home and just sending everything into a whirlwind. As a Ukrainian, you know, that really took me out of the movie. <laughs> Well, the Ukrainian space program is blameless in this case. It's the Russians only. Mm -hmm. I believe it does take place in what is essentially present day. I believe so. Um, Mm -hmm. Although George George Clooney is this kind of veteran uh, astronaut. I think it's probably his last mission. And Sandra Bullock is a doctor who is up in space for the first time. And so she's a lot more unsure of herself and kind of nervous being up Mm -hmm. there. And George Clooney is like cracking jokes and telling stories and sort of being the general charming man that he often trying to distract her. And she she finds him a nuisance, at least for a while. Yeah. And so once the uh, space debris starts attacking them, um, she is untethered and is spinning by herself in the great void and it's terrifying i felt it she reconvenes with george clooney for a while and then gets separated from him again and then is truly by herself in first the russian space station and then the chinese space station where she doesn't even know the language and she can't figure out the buttons on anything and still has to figure out how to get home and of course among amid all of this is a tragic backstory about motherhood yeah what did you guys think of that uh loss of a child backstory that sort of uh fuels her character i mean i was definitely crying but i found it a little bit manipulative we we know so little about this character that the fact that this is one of the main details that we know about her history and background maybe it's only because of um what exists in movies in general. Like we get so few relevant and believable scientist female characters. It's not just like a blonde putting on a pair of glasses. I believe Sandra Bullock is an astronaut in this. And then like adding to her story that she is a mother who lost a child seems, I don't know. It did feel a little shoehorned in there as the reason that she's not super psyched at getting back to earth she seems to have this resistance to going through the lengths uh to which she must go through to get back to earth and i think this whole lost child dead child is in there as like she has nothing to live for really she Mm -hmm. seems like she's maybe gone into space because there's nothing else for her on planet earth Mm-hmm. And so at one point in gravity, she completely gives up and basically is almost suicidal. Her own death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she resigns. I think this movie definitely could have achieved her hesitation to return to Earth in a way that wasn't so blatantly tragic. Mm-hmm. Because they're, George Clooney and Sandra Bullock's characters aren't that deep. But for me, like, it didn't really matter. I still really loved this movie because it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. the cinematography was um, Emmanuel Lubezki, who has worked with Terrence Malick. He did Tree of Life. So it was, like, visually stunning. So I didn't care so much about the story. And Sandra Bullock does an amazing job. I, I really like her a lot. Um, I I like her when she's in comedies, but I also really enjoyed her in this and believed in her and was rooting for her even though there wasn't a lot for her to say, like the things that she was doing on screen, like I found captivating, like even her facial expressions, because she's on her own so much of the time, you just kind of have to see her thought process through what she does with her face. Yeah, and we are right there with her as completely alone. I mean, the way the camera moves in and out of her helmet, so we're like, breathing those really like heart-stopping breaths with her you are pulled into the stress of the situation Mm -hmm. and we as the viewer feel also completely scared out of our minds and kind of completely alone which in a way is the experience of seeing a movie where you're in the dark Mm -hmm. not really aware of your surroundings just focused on this one thing 
So I don't know. Um, there is this one scene in Gravity where she comes aboard a spacecraft and she takes off her clothes. It reminded me a lot of Barbarella, and I was wondering what you, Matt, thought of that. And, and Alien. Alien as well. Oh, yes. We need to have an underwear discussion. Are we going to have this underwear discussion right now? Are we ready for that? <laughs> I think maybe we do need to introduce the other two movies a bit before we get okay. into the underwear discussion because okay. this maybe is this to me is a pivotal mm-hmm. discussion point for women in space, which is so bizarre that women in under, women in underwear and women would alone in space are so intricately tied. Yeah, we we also watched Alien. We watched the director's cut, which uh, differs in a few small ways it's apparently some good some bad well it's apparently shorter than the original cut um because ridley scott thought that the original was too long for modern audiences which is an interesting odd stance to take on one's own film especially in the time of like three hour action movies and three hour superhero movies should we summarize alien a little bit do we need to People if you are... haven't seen it, shame on you. Yeah. Let's reiterate that. No. <laughs> okay, fine. Alien, uh, 1979, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Sigourney Weaver. She and a crew of astronauts are uh, in a space city. Well, almost. here's where I have to disagree on calling them astronauts, because I really see Alien as n- n- like not even really a space movie, but like uh, a movie about blue-collar workers facing a workplace hazard. <laughs> Like, that's what it really is. Like, they're not floating around for much or any of it. Um, They're just people doing a job. Yeah, they wake up from, like, uh, you know, suspended animation after being, uh, you know, floating off into space for 10 months to destinations unknown. Uh, But when they get up, they're just, they're bickering about their pay. The bonus. About the bonus. They're uh, having, like, a, a, you know, a meal together. They're talking about the work they have to do they're talking about the company they're griping about things like it's basically people like on an oil rig yeah it actually has like strange parallels with the bp disaster i feel like like there's (laughs) there's there's the company who's sending them into danger who is this like faceless bureaucratic exactly capitalistic organization we can assume they are some huge very wealthy multinational possibly multi-planetary corporation with goals unknown with goals unknown they consider their workers to be expendable Mm -hmm. the company's own words these people are out there in danger not even really aware of the kinds of danger they're they're being put into and they mm-hmm. just have to struggle and a to small survive. mistake leads to a lot of disaster yeah. <laughs> right so an alien gets on board and kills everybody basically um and then you have sigourney weaver as ripley who essentially saves the day well for herself <laughs> for herself yes and the cat and the cat and, the cat. and jones jones the, cat. the tabby um, so Alien, of course, is a movie that has been discussed countless times and dissected in countless ways. In fact, I recently read that Alien has so many academic papers written about it, um, about the Freudian issues in it um, and imagery and gender issues. So there's a lot to say about Alien. We're just going Using, to focus on Ripley and yeah. like the way that she handles herself and is basically left to her own devices mm-hmm. to get herself out of this unfortunate situation. Mm-hmm. And then we have Barbarella. Oh, Barbarella. <laughs> it's a different sort of space movie altogether. It's more of a woman in sex movie. <laughs> <laughs> woman using sex? Woman being used by oh, sex. Oh, you guys, maybe Ripley should have tried to seduce the alien. Oh. oh, she should have learned something from Barbarella. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Barbarella, I see, is just kind of a disturbing film for, for a lot of reasons. So, I mean, I don't know if there's even enough plot to give a summary. But oh. it's basically Jane Fonda as Barbarella, a sexy space traveler who's sent on some kind of vague mission. Yes, she's from Earth. She's sent to an alien planet to get this dude named Duran Duran. Durand Durand. Durand Durand. Not to be confused with Duran Duran, who did their name their band after 
the character. I like your theory that Duran Duran cut off the D's at the end of each word. Because it's really hard to say. Yeah. They were like, nobody's going to buy records by Durand <laughs> Durand. Girls on film by Durand Durand. <laughs> you like choke in your throat saying oh, it a little bit. Yeah. You, got, um, you have a glottal stop in there. Yeah. So uh, Barbarella, she's uh, pretty hot. She's a survivor. Like, a lot of her pain changes. Her spacecraft crashes. It's mostly... Uh, Barbarella is mostly costume changes. And sexy angels. Yeah. Let's go back and talk about the the scene where Sandra Bullock undresses in Gravity and the parallel it has with Barbarella. So yeah, each of these movies has some kind of a, a stripping scene. A prominent underwear scene, henceforth known as P-U-S. Or pus. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the puss scene in each of these films, of course. How could we forget what is academically known as the p- puss scene? It doesn't henceforth have to be known as that. Okay. But every each of these films you didn't does have prepare a prepare me for this. It doesn't have a prominent. What are these academic scene? papers you've been reading? Um. So in each of these movies, there is. Some kind of strip tease mm-hmm. scene. I guess it's not really a strip tease. It is in Barbarella. It's a stripping scene in Alien and Gravity. Um, in Gravity, I see it as her getting comfortable and ready to take the next step after sort of a, a grueling series of events. Well, it seems like Gravity's undressing scene has to be somewhat of a nod to Alien because. There's no way that Sandra Bullock taking off her spacesuit, basically having just gotten into the Russian space station after this, you know, horrible, uh, nerve-wracking fight with the debris, mm-hmm. she takes off her spacesuit and she's in a tank top and underwear. When Ripley gets into the pod to leave Nostromo, she also is like, phew, I got away from the alien and takes off her spacesuit and she's in a tank top and smaller underwear. I mean, there's no way gravity doesn't know, you know, what it's referencing but the, there. But the way that she is portrayed, like that sort of floating, like circling motion reminded me a lot of Barbarella. Right. Because in the opening credit sequence of Barbarella, she's floating. Except and- she is sexual, whereas in gravity... It's it's empowering, and it's also a bit of a reference to being in the womb. Mm-hmm. Like, she sort of has this fetal position at one point. And the umbilical cord, even, is a... Uh, oh, is there? She is... There is a bit of an umbilical tethered. cord tether. Oh, okay. At, at, you know, for part of it. Okay. In Barbarella, she is taking off each finger of each glove very slowly. Like, it is a burlesque or striptease act. Mm-hmm. And it's much sexier and supposed to be much sexier but it's also set to the most annoying song to open any film right i mean barbarella is like pure camp did we say it's 1968 so it was the first of any of these movies and at the time right jane fonda was supposed to was up for the role of bonnie and bonnie and clyde she turned down the role of bonnie parker Mm -hmm. because she was living in france with husband Barbarella director Roger Vadim, uh, and didn't want to, I guess, go back to the States to shoot it. Sort of consensus is really that she stayed behind to make movies for Roger Vadim uh, and sort of halted her career in the process. The fact that Barbarella is a female astronaut is pure novelty. Even women doing scientific things or being in technology was just odd and like hilarious (laughs) to some i guess so did that mean that it was necessary to show her stripping in the first scene i mean we never to emphasize her femininity maybe yeah i mean she strips down and she's completely naked for like the first 10 minutes of the movie Mm -hmm. and it's not even while the president of earth or whatever his title is is uh video chatting with her yeah right even says oh no 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 don't bother to get anything so she's in this relatively serious field of space travel i mean i know it's camp but yes and it's like let's emphasize that we're not taking it too seriously like she wears these ridiculous totally impractical clothes throughout the whole thing 
she doesn't actually know anything. Can we talk about those costumes? Especially sure. the the one outfit with like clear plastic globes over the breasts that give her sort of constant car wash boob. <laughs> And then she like lies down on some other see-through plastic. It just, it looked cool, but it kept making me think of how uncomfortable that must have been (laughs) to actually wear that. There's a lot of discomfort that she must have experienced while making this film. Um, She's chewed up by dolls with razor sharp teeth at one point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's right at the beginning of the movie. She's abused throughout this movie. Right. And all the while she's wearing like sexy uh, you know what i kind of am realizing now that a lot of the outfits that beyonce performs in must be pulled straight from barbarella uh leotards with like big shoulders Mm -hmm. the costumes were awesome but here you have a woman as a space detective and she is relegated to being just in her underwear Mm -hmm. you know which brings in the questions of alien and gravity as why do we have to see them in their underwear? Is it sexist to show them in their underwear because it is part of the male gaze seeing them stripped down? Or is it just totally, you know, sensical because they do want to be comfortable? I, in Ripley, as much as I want to believe that it's for comfort and it's like, finally, she is free and she's on her own and who cares what she's wearing? The fact that she is such a powerful woman throughout all of it and that she's basically wearing this... Um, one piece flight suit that completely covers her arms and legs. The fact that that's removed makes me feel like we have to remind the audience that she's a woman. Oh yeah. And she actually looks pretty good in her underwear. This underwear thing is actually one of the most contested topics amongst the alien academic papers where you have the people who are arguing that the underwear is sexist there's the people that are arguing that even asking the question is it sexist are sexist mm-hmm. um i haven't read any of them i should say but uh i've I, read about them posit, and it seems like there's a lot going on there i'll posit a theory that uh, <laughs> it's not even quite sexy because the underwear doesn't look at all good on her in alien yeah it's 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 ill-fitting. You weirdly can see her butt crack. tiny and ill-fitting. You can see her butt crack in like from like multiple angles. It seems. Also, you can basically see the shape of her pubic hair. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> Was I the only one? I think you were the only one that noticed that. We were watching a Blu-ray of it, so I guess <laughs> you were able it was to really see high that definition kind of pubic hair. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tank top, sexy, underwear, not sexy, because it just didn't seem to fit. It seemed like something that would fit maybe on two of my toes, and that's it. (laughs) But it was impractical. It would be impractical on my toes, yes. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, though, you have to think, when you are home alone at the end of a long day from work, let alone a a battle with an alien Mm -hmm. or hurling through space on your own... Um, I would probably take all my clothes off and just, like, mm-hmm. sigh a big sigh of relief. Like, it makes sense in the story that that would be a thing that any person would do. Absolutely. But the fact that it's on film and the articles of clothing were selected by people takes it to a different level. And, you know, as long as we're comparing underwear, Sandra Bullock's underwear in Gravity was much more sensibly fitting than Ripley's in Alien. They were basically like boy shorts, weren't Mm -hmm. they? Yeah, they weren't particularly sexy. And Sandra Bullock was not particularly sexy in Gravity. I mean, she had kind of a bad haircut. She wasn't wearing any makeup. And like, you know, they didn't try to sex her up. But, you know, to the film's credit. Mm Mm-hmm. She wasn't a sexy. I, I thought she was attractive in it, but well, of yeah, she's she, attractive. She's, not... she's Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Her legs looked amazing. They were yes. really muscular and like solid. It was. Well, she was in a spacesuit. She was. No, once she got out of the spacesuit, it was really refreshing puff. to like see such a like strong woman, not just in character, but like in physicality. Yeah. So it is interesting, though, that the one of the things that ties these three women in space, woman on her own in the in the final frontier movies together is a scene of our protagonist in their underwear. And again, as ridiculous as Barbarella is, there's still 
the common theme with the other movies of survival Mm -hmm. and like overcoming being resigned to your fate. Yeah. Although, whereas, you know, in Gravity and Alien, Ripley and Ryan, is that Sandra Bullock's name in Gravity? Where Ripley and Ryan get by on their resourcefulness and their willingness to make hard decisions and general badassery. Um, Barbarella gets by on her willingness to make love. Exactly. Barbarella gets by on her sex. And also the fact that she has a sort of sidekick sexy angel who's willing to fly her places. Mm -hmm. Well, she motivates him to overcome his unwillingness (laughs) to live through sex and sex, which is not a bad thing. You know, like a woman experiencing free love, especially in 1968 is not necessarily like a horrible place for a woman to be Mm -hmm. um, in that era of historical feminism it's just super silly he's he's an angel with ed (laughs) elevation dysfunction Uh, good one he cannot fly until he has yeah flown really you're gonna keep going with this joke yep roger vadim though was a pretty gross human i think uh, I'd like to read a biography of him just to verify right that he was so gross. Yeah, I'd like to read a few passages. No, one, so you're just going to go away for a couple hours. Days, I would like, read the biography. I don't know if it exists. Come back. But he, yeah, he was, tell us, he was married to facts. Jane Fonda for a couple of years. Um, I feel like he, you know, crashed her career for a little bit and possibly permanently when he sort of forced her to not take roles she should have. Um, he was also married to Bridget Bardot for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. He was in a relationship with Catherine Deneuve when she was 17. Ooh. She moved in with him and they had a child when she was 19. Whoa. How old was he? Uh, he was only, I think, 15 years older than her. She was born in 43 and he was born in 1928. Um, and there is a quote uh, I read at some point uh, where he refers to her um, sort of coming into her own and becoming an actress and star in her own right. This is Catherine Deneuve. Mm-hmm. And he says uh, something like, uh, I watched as my adolescent became an independent woman. And there's there's two things he's there. he's talking about his wife. But, well, he, he wasn't married to her. She, she's one of the few women who didn't marry him. Um, but he was, yeah, having a sexual relationship with, with her when she was 17. There's the fact that he calls her an adolescent, which is like, you are sleeping with this person you can't call them that and then my adolescent and i feel like those that phrase says yeah. a lot about this picture i have of roger vadim this like gross possible sex criminal uh well, like, who, who like makes women who, who convinces women to make wrong decisions for themselves we didn't talk about the climax of Barbarella, where Barbarella basically is put into this machine. It's a literal climax. Yes. Uh. That, like, almost kills her by making her orgasm over and over until... She lights it on fire. Yeah. That part is also disturbing. <laughs> yeah. That's that's probably the most disturbing part of Barbarella. And a, lo- a large part of that is... Because of what, uh, it's operated by Durand, Durand, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Part of why it's so disturbing is what he says to her. This is a character who, she hadn't had sex before. And uh, and she she had known sex to be this weird sort of demolition man type process. With pills. With pills and like mind melding. And you put your hand together. It's actually, it's very Avatar-esque, come to think about it. Demolition Man is more uh, purview, so I'm going to go with that. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, um, and so she she is, you know, shown the ways of actual uh, intercourse by this very hairy man, uh, and after that, she sort of uses sex, not really knowing what she's doing, not really understanding that she's using her body in in certain ways, but she basically has sex with a lot of people for a lot of different purposes. Um, I I would disagree that she doesn't know what she's doing. She has this childlike aura about her. Like she just 
I just don't get the sense that Barbarella understands. I know, but she enjoys herself. I would also disagree with you, Matt. I think she kind of has her eyes opened by the super hairy guy. Um, (laughs) Haven't we all? (laughs) We we didn't mention the best part about the hairy guy, which is that he's covered in furs. He shows up wearing a big fur coat. (laughs) And then when he starts taking off his fur coat so they can have sex for the first time, he is like the hairiest man in the entire universe. possibly hairier with the coat off. <laughs> it's like as if he spun his own outfit out of his own yeah, chest hair. Yeah, that was hair. our theory, right? Yeah. That, that coat was made from his own chest hair that he culled over time. Anyway, um, yeah, he sort of like in a sense de-virginizes her, but then it turns her into a sex pot. But to her credit and to the credit of Barbarella. Um, she does have her own sexual agency and, you know, later on when this guy she meets asks her for sex, basically people save her life and then she has sex with them <laughs> as a thank you. But when this guy that wants the to general do it, plot. yeah, but when this guy wants to do it like the demolition man slash avatar way, she's like really disappointed. Um, I think she's, she, she's a woman who likes sex and that's totally okay. Right, right. That's that's a good point, and that's what makes uh, the sex machine so troubling. Because Durand Durand starts chastising her. I have the quote here. Uh, oh, the the machine sort of breaks down because it it can't handle. Oh her yeah, her sexual power yeah. has overwhelmed it. And he says, "What kind of girl are you? Have you no shame?" Uh, that's just so horrible. So the movie is basically, like you say, okay, she's waking up, uh, her sexuality is awakening, she's becoming her own woman, and then basically the movie is shaming her, scolding her for having achieved her. Mm-hmm. something on her own, for having realized a part of herself. It mm-hmm. is gross. It's super gross. But then she flies away with the angel. <laughs> but he's not going to remember it. Because oh, yeah. as we as we learn in the final line of Barbarella, this sad sack angel just says, "Angels have no memory." I couldn't stop thinking of Rocky from Rocky Horror Picture Show yeah. with Pygar. Oh no, I see Pygar, sort of dumb blonde, yes. pretty creature. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think of that. He is very much Rocky. Um, I, I sort of saw him as a mix of Buster Bluth and Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Oh, I can't fly. <laughs> with better pecs. Yeah, with totally better pecs than Eeyore, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Much better tail, too. Oh. <laughs> That's a horrifying thought. He's basically a sexy Eeyore. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, I guess at its core, you do have Barbarella. Amid the badness of Barbarella as a film, you do have Barbarella, the character, like, kicking ass in the same way that Ripley kicks ass and in the same way that um, Ryan uh, kicks space debris ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So one thing that I can't seem to stop thinking about is the way that Alien ends with a woman alone with her cat. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the cat Jones plays a really interesting role in Alien as both this sort of like creature that is not human and not alien and not robot and witnesses evil acts, but also is kind of like this warm, cuddly, like safe object that for some reason Ripley like definitely needs to save at the end. And then she kind of like has this image of like a cat lady she's kind of a cat lady at the end where it's like well all i need is you kitty can we talk about that (laughs) i'm not a cat person so i would definitely not have saved that goddamn cat you're right i've never seen you transform into a cat (laughs) you are no cat person I didn't realize you were so anti-cat eleanor oh no did this (laughs) breach is something in our friendship I don't hate this cats. This show is over. <laughs> There's a really nice cat named Gray Cat that lives on my stoop that I really like. Okay. Would you save it? Yeah. From an alien? Would you go back into a self-destructing <laughs> spacecraft to save it? Or would you just kind of get the hell out? I mean, it's pretty cute. But this is not about me. <laughs> this is not about me. This is about Ripley and Jones. I feel like that's uh, that's another aspect that uh, that's supposed to humanize Ripley. Mm-hmm. Like she, she's kind of hard through 
most of the story. Like at one point, some of her crewmates are potentially infected. They're trying to get back into the ship. And she's like, that is not the protocol. We have to figure out what to do. Like we have to disinfect you something. We have to quarantine them. We have to quarantine them. Like we don't want the rest of the ship getting sick. And she keeps insisting on that, even though like they're not best buds, but they're still people that presumably she's worked with for a while. And um, they're, um, I'm trying to think of other moments, but she, she's not a softy. Mm-hmm. And so adding that bit about her saving the cat, I think is supposed to show like, she's not all brittle. Mm-hmm. She has a heart. I buy that. Yeah, maybe it was also necessary to give us this sort of, uh, you know, and it's softer also side. added tension, of course. Of like, course. There's she has also to go back like, and rescue the cat. It's it's the last yeah. minute obstacle, yeah. But it also, you know, it means she's not going to be alone for this many-month journey back to the frontier as she uh, heads mm-hmm. off in the in the escape pod. And this is sort of terrible, but I think that's one of the things Matt and I agree about is in Alien versus Aliens. The fact that she saves a cat in Alien is more kind of sympathetic for us, like versus in Aliens where she goes to save a kid. I don't want to get into this <laughs> because it's gonna, it's just gonna make us seem like horrible people. I am of the mind that in Aliens she should have just left Newt to die. Newt wasn't that great That's a kid to begin with. That's not how I was with. phrasing it. Well, I have strong opinions on Newt, and I'm gonna leave it there. All right. We'll Newt. address that in the Mother's Day episode. Newt sucks. End of story. I mean, I do understand that she needed a fuzzy companion to comfort her on the way back to Earth after this ordeal. Well, as Ksenia pointed out, she had that. It was in her, her underpants. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. That's pretty gross. But we'll allow it. You brought it up. <laughs> I don't know if I will allow that to be in the episode. <laughs> Um, <laughs> jerk. But the, but cats are kind of alien-like creatures. I mean, much more so than dogs. Cats- Maybe it was also like the only crew member who didn't undermine her, and she was like, "All right, I'll save you." It did kind of undermine everyone else, like Harry Dean Stanton. It just kind of sort of watched him die. Yeah, we, yeah. We uh, I think we all felt this a little bit that the cat. It seemed like the cat was in on Harry Dean Stanton's death. <laughs> a little like bit. Like the cat was luring him to that spot. Because it just cats to the cat's face and you can kind of like see. It cats to the cat's face. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what I said? It cuts to the cat's face and you can kind of see like the explosions in its eye, like reflected in its eyes and it's just watching like it, a sinister. It really seems like it's part of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what does it mean for a woman to be alone, totally, totally alone, uh, versus a man being totally alone? In space or just, like, in this thing we call life? In in space, I mean, in space, they are totally alone, which is why there are so many hero stories set in space. But I think in general, I mean, when you have stories where a man is just alone— it's kind of assumed that he will be resourceful and he's a hero survive. by default. I even think about that new Robert Redford movie, which I haven't seen yet, called All is Lost, as only the very most recent mm-hmm. example. I really want to see that. It seems like a male gravity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. But the the thing with women is our default mode is to feel protective. Like, can she handle herself? Especially as a rookie astronaut who hasn't been to space until now, like... Can Sandra Bullock prevail? And there's doubts. If if she was played by a man, we might have doubted her less, even mm-hmm. if she, like, even if he was a rookie as well. So I think you mentioned that this seems to be George Clooney's last mission. I think it is in the movie, mm-hmm. or at least it's you know he's been to space many many times before, and he has this knowledge and he has this comfort about being in space. Um, and he, he helps her at least through the beginning part of the movie. And yeah, it would have been a totally different movie if he were stranded, if we saw him Would it have stranded. been boring? Because we're like, oh yeah, of course he's going to get out of that one. Right, would we have assumed that he would automatically survive? I, don't, I, don't, I think probably not, but or else that would be a really boring movie. <laughs> one thing about Gravity, I also think about Apollo 13. And you say, like, would it be assumed that he would survive... When I've watched Apollo 13, I think I've seen it twice, 
each time i'm not <laughs> sure if they're gonna make it like and that's just i mean that's the power of movies right but that's that's also just dramatic tension and uh it's there's no guarantee that anyone's gonna make it in any situation so you know even the most knowledgeable and uh and space traveled of us might might have some trouble out there i had a bit of a crackpot theory that maybe it was kind of like um i don't know maybe it was these tropes were just drawn on stories that have been told and told again and again even going back to like biblical stories like you have adam who is the first male human who's just totally alone mm-hmm. in the world and then eve comes along and as the second human like woman has never been alone i don't yeah. know that, i i think that's a really interesting point like when we think of lone woman we don't think of like like a male cowboy walking down the street and he's all on his own. We think of spinster and like um, maid and mm-hmm. sadness and like where is her man and where are her children. Or even like the image of a man walking down a street at night or a woman walking down the street at night. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> you just set those two scenarios in a scene and the mm-hmm. man is seen possibly as the predator, possibly as just somebody walking down the street. You mm-hmm. look at a woman a and a default she, human versus right. a woman who is either prostitute should, or should be afraid of being mm-hmm. alone in this unsure dimension. I think that's a really interesting image to think about. I mean, maybe women, a woman being alone in space works drawing on that Mm -hmm. idea of woman being alone in darkness as Mm -hmm. a situation to be fearful in Mm -hmm. so when she does prevail it's all the more exciting there have been some pretty cool women alone movies recently like the descent i mean it starts out as a group but i think it it sort of quickly becomes they become separated I'm too scared to see that I movie. Don't, oh, I hear it's, it's, it's terrifying. It's pretty terrifying. It's really a great, terrifying movie, yeah. I mean, even when they're together, it's just, it's, it's women alone in nothing. And I think mm-hmm. they do, you know, they do sort of end up, it's a horror movie, so you, you've got to end up with one. Uh, and then there's also High Tension, the French horror movie from a couple years ago, I think like 2005 or 2006. It's got a pretty stupid twist, but for most of the movie, it's really tense, and it's just this like college-age girl uh, thrown into a terrible and terrifying situation, and uh, it doesn't even start out as a group. Like a lot of horror movies, you end up with a final—it's the final girl because mm-hmm. she's the final out of a group. But mm-hmm. here in, in High Tension, it's just her the whole time. There are other people around. There are other people she has interacted with but it's her story she is alone basically the whole Mm -hmm. time um so that's a that's an interesting theme that we've seen in in horror cinema is like it's really about the the woman being alone and fending for herself oh also that other movie that we saw recently where she's in a house and she's like oh uh house of the devil yeah Yeah, absolutely that's a really great one and silent house another movie about a woman alone in a house well alien alien being first and foremost a horror movie at least according to ridley scott yeah absolutely um ripley is also the final girl and in any slasher you're right you do have the final girl i guess starting with halloween the original slasher Jamie lee curtis is the final girl there's something about though the the final person being a final girl and not Mm -hmm. a final boy is that the girl is much more vulnerable and it's also killer a surprise like oh we didn't expect she would be the one to make it so i think it was used as a twist for a long time and Mm -hmm. to the point where it is a trope now but i like this sort of recent thing where she's she's not a final girl she's the girl she's the character and she's just got to survive on her own from the start Mm -hmm. without anyone's help cool yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we like the direction this is going in and i think it's something that we can keep talking about so what's this bit you've been uh teasing uh, teasing about um okay so i started thinking sandra bullock is having trouble in like a bunch of space vehicles and you know she got her career started with speed uh in which you know she has to drive a bus at 50 miles an hour runaway bus 
something a runaway bus otherwise something terrible is going to happen and i was just like i was thinking you know she seems to have trouble with vehicles <laughs> and i was sort of going through my like women do yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i reflexively agreed to that, that oh i feel bad <laughs> That's I was agreeing why, with you as That's an idea. why you're trying to send me to driving school. <laughs> yeah, I want you to get your license so I don't have to drive on our trips. Um, <laughs> so Sandra Bullock, I, I thought, just seems to have trouble with vehicles. Um, there's a lot of conflict, a lot of tension there. And I was trying to think of other Sandra Bullock movies in which she has vehicle trouble. So as far as motor vehicles go, uh, obviously there's the bus in Speed. Uh, she also, within that movie, had previously lost her driver's license for speeding. So that's a double whammy there. Foreshadowing, I think. Right. Also, in Speed, uh, there's the, the trouble with the runaway subway train at the end. It's on an unfinished line, ends up crashing through a wall out into the street. I got um, one. Her car blows up in, uh, is it the heat? Does it blow up in the heat? It yeah. does. That, yeah, that's not on the list, but absolutely more car trouble for her. Uh, a limousine, she crashes a limo that she had stolen while she's drunk in 28 days. She is a uh, train uh, token taker in While You Were Sleeping oh, yeah. and saves a man who was almost run over by a train. Yeah, she witnesses a man falling onto the tracks, presumably to his certain doom, until she rolls him off of the tracks So that's to an example of transportation... And love. And love actually coming from the same potential disaster. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's uh, so she's had trouble with both, uh, you know, intra-city subway transit and sort of a regional rail, we can presume. Do high heels count as transportation? Because she definitely has trouble walking in them in Miss Congeniality. And in All About Steve, in which her boots... Uh, are not made for walking? Are not sensible, lead her to fall down a mine shaft, and she has to be rescued on, on the national news. Uh, she has trouble with boats. Oh my goodness, boats, this lady. <laughs> Speed 2, uh, her cruise ship is hijacked by Willem Dafoe. Uh, also in Speed 2, she has to uh, jump out of a moving plane before it crashes into an oil tanker. More boat trouble mixed with her plane troubles. Speaking of... <laughs> planes there is uh that movie forces of nature uh in which a bird flies into uh the engine of the airplane as it's taking off forcing it to be grounded and kicking off her relationship with ben affleck uh that movie by the way forces of nature uh includes one of two known instances of ben affleck using a payphone the other being Gili. i'm sure there are others but <laughs> Those are the only two that matter. I'd like people to, to write into you guys and, and let you know. You also just would like people to see Gili. I would like everyone to see Gili at least three times <laughs> so that I don't feel as bad about seeing it a dozen times. Uh, in the net, uh, a man tries to kill her on a boat after they have sex. Mm. Uh, she then, I believe, abandons ship, right? She does. Of her own volition, though. That's, that's not really vehicle trouble. It's murder trouble, it's sex trouble, but it's not vehicle Floppy trouble. Floppy disk trouble. Floppy disk trouble. <laughs> Was that his problem? Uh, in the proposal, though, she does fall out of a boat piloted by <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Prince of Egypt, I don't know if this is boat-related. It's aquatic. It's an aquatic disaster. She, is, she voices the wife of Moses. Uh, witness, she witnesses the drowning of the entire Egyptian army. So that, I, so that's trouble from having a lack of boat. Well, they did walk across the dry seabed of the river, which then closed back up, drowning right. the Egyptian army. So that is that is a mode of transportation. Um, yeah, and uh, of course, gravity. She has trouble with the 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 various spacecraft. Oh, her husband is killed by a truck in Practical Magic. Her husband in Premonition is killed by a tractor trailer. Hmm. The one mode of transportation Sandra Bullock seems to not have a problem with is horses. She successfully rides a horse in Two If By Sea, co-starring Dennis Leary. A horse is Sandra Bullock's only guaranteed safe mode of travel. It is her spirit animal. Hmm. So. so Sandra Bullock, if you're listening, stay in one place. Do not move. We will come get you. But Matt is not saying that you have trouble with transportation because you're a woman. Right, Matt? No, Ksenia said that. Oh, yeah. Ksenia. Hey, <laughs> you tricked me. <laughs> um, so 
women alone. We like this. We'd like to see more of it. Especially in space. Maybe not in space. Maybe other places too. Like on a beach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to see women alone on a beach. In In the the middle of the ocean. (laughs) Mm -hmm. On a mountain. Sure. Um, In an airplane. But not not Sandra Bullock in an airplane. (laughs) Let's keep listing things. <laughs> what's, yeah, what's, what's in that? an apartment, on a couch, with a cat. <laughs> so one thing about all these movies is that space is a vacuum. Space is a place where there's there's nothing else. I mean, there's nothing, right? There's no anything. Uh, and so when uh, a character whether it's a woman or a man, is is challenged to survive, they basically have only themselves to rely on. Uh, and so that's what we see in each of these three movies, is a woman in each of these three cases just fighting for her own survival, using her own wits, and... Sometimes doing, her body. Sometimes her body. Uh, doing what she can to to get through and to emerge victorious. I think that's I think that's a great finish. Thank you for listening to Bonnie and Mods. Thank you, Matt, for being our guest. Thanks for having me, Matt. How can uh, people hear more from you? Oh, email Ksenia; she's my wife. All right, then email us at bonnieandmod at gmail dot com uh, with questions, comments, or suggestions of things you'd like to hear addressed on the show, or to add to uh, one of the many lists that we started with this episode. Sure. Uh, and join our conversation on Facebook and check out our posts on Tumblr. Um, and I'll also say for the sake of Matt, who won't say it, I Love Bad Movies is the name of the zine and the website to hear more from him and Ksenia and their musings on bad movies. Very nice. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Final Frontier. Yeah. <laughs>